Hello, I'm Jensen Button, and due to technical difficulties, I will not be appearing in this podcast. Send help, someone, please. Please help me. Help. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, brought to you with enormous difficulty tonight in between Richard periscoping earlier on. Oh, we'll talk about that again, I think, Is later. Is that some kind of sexual practice that people do Most in people cars? think so. Yeah, it's like docking. Zog's here, finally. Hello. Zog. Yes, I followed us more later on. But, uh, <laughs> you had technical problems. Yeah, I had technical problems. Yeah, I, Briefly, I won't go into the car maintenance saga I've been involved in for the last week or so. But but having got the whole thing back together in anticipation of driving over here this evening, I found that I clearly hadn't done up something quite as tight as it should be done up because there was uh, oil was pouring out of somewhere. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> With your skills, there is always a place for you in the McLaren team, I think, at the moment. I think yeah. they benefit from your skills. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure. Hey, McLaren sort of featured in the most recent Grand Prix. I still have Bahrain. faith. I still have faith. You really do, yeah? Yeah, I do, I do. I think that McLaren-Honda combination is going to work out, just not for the next couple of races. What are they doing? Oh, races? <laughs> I thought you were about to say years. years. Yeah, yeah. Next year could be a contender. Why do you say I, that? I, I, I would yeah. happily eat my words if that happened. I just don't think this season anything spectacular is going to happen because, Apart if anything, they seem to be going maybe. backwards. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the few things they haven't done yet is <laughs> accidentally engage reverse off the line. And the good thing is they wouldn't actually back into any other cars, well, except possibly the Marussia. The Marussia, yeah. If they'd managed to actually start Did you the find race, they did, in okay. Sunday's race in Bahrain that Bahrain. the Marussia's occupied so little TV time that when one appeared on screen as one of the leaders lapped it, I was momentarily startled <laughs> by what that car was. And I thought well, that like, that a GP2 car had accidentally got onto the track <laughs> at the wrong time or something. What I, 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 I am finding, though, is I'm finding it a little bit hard to distinguish between the McLarens and the Force Indies. Yes. There's something in well, the colour scheme, you know? Bar- from the, from in, the front, yeah. In Bahrain. Yeah, from the front, there is a problem. Yeah, in Bahrain, when they were running under the lights, yeah, the McLaren looks black, and that's what confuses it even further. Yeah, it is. It's black with then that very thin stripe around there, and you're right, it is it. The, the, all that, the all the black on the in lower part. Bahrain, of Bahrain, I think it's uh, pronounced. Yeah, Do the we put black some was plastic plastic sheeting here. Because <laughs> we're going to say Bahrain quite a lot. So McLaren weren't the story, of course, of Bahrain. But the Ferrari resurgence was. Yeah, they're still. Notably Kimmy in this case, too. Mm. Kim had a great race. We call him Kim. Kim? Kim. I've never called him Kim before. Kimmy had a great race. Yeah. And and didn't he look happy at the end? Just oh, wait, no, spectacular. I liked also a little window into racing drivers' mentality, oh, particularly, yeah. I think, Raikkonen mentality, is that his immediate reaction when interviewed was about, well, you know, you're never happy with second, are you? Yeah. And I Absolutely. thought, yeah. That's it, because I think we were all going, well, mm-hmm. well done him. Didn't see that coming. Could have gone away from him. But no, he got there. He got onto the second place. Well but he done. wanted to win. And, but well, he wanted to win. Of course he did. I mean, I don't know. It's naive to think the relation drivers don't. They're never oh, satisfied. Sure. It is the old Ron Dennis thing of second is first of the losers. But that's how racing drivers think. And I think when they're not first and they are second or third, particularly if they're required to be interviewed, they go, yeah, yeah, you know, the guys did a great job and all of that usual tedious stuff. But really they're thinking, damn! 
damn it! But actually, of course, it could have happened. Yeah. You know, with the yeah. brake mm. problems in the last the two laps. Had. Actually, That's you know, what you want, it could have it? happened. And wow, that would have been a result. I don't wish ill on the Mercedes team. I think they've done a tremendous job. Or are doing a tremendous yeah. job. But when the brakes fail on both cars in the last two laps, that's the stuff that motor racing's made of. They're pushing their abilities, their technology right to the very limit, and it can fail. And it should just about. What was it Colin Chapman said? You know, you want a car that would break down the second it crossed the line. Yeah, and Daniel Ricciardo dutifully quote, obliged. Yeah, <laughs> hey, the spirit of Lotus is there in Red Bull, not in yeah. Enstone. Yeah, yeah. Ferrari, I think they've done well to coalesce from the trouble ship that they were into quite a useful outfit at the moment haven't they James Allison's working great business there Kimmy's clearly happy Vettel still in the early days always happens when drivers first go to the Ferrari within a week they say things like I'm always going to drive for Ferrari yeah. they all say that and they all learn Pretty Italian don't language. they yeah they do yeah. I like the fact that Vettel's always on the radio with his linguaphone cassettes <laughs> <laughs> I would like to book a hotel room <laughs> yeah they do don't they there's something about them I don't know what happens when you walk through those I like doors. it that the Ferrari are the Italian team because the rest of the teams are pretty damn British you know even Sauber when Manisha Coltenborg speaks she sounds like she was educated in Oxford which I think she was <laughs> you know <laughs> so even, the, even no Guido I've told you you can't have the seat that <laughs> way, oh you can <laughs> Damn, I didn't read the small print. But how much you love Maurizio Arrivabene? Yes. I, I'm a huge fan. He's, he's the new Flavio. Oh, no, come on. He's, he's in another class. Oh, okay. Flav, now then, please. Yeah. speaking I mean, of Flav, as we were, someone on Twitter just on the way here this evening sent me a link to a Bentley Turbo R for sale, uh -huh. formerly owned by Flav oh now, smell of baby oil quite a lot I was going to say um, if you got a forensic team to examine the interior <laughs> of that car my god the things you'd find <laughs> there are drivers down there honestly all sorts of things we miss Flav but I am glad that Arriva Bene's around he's so jovial have you noticed he's really genial and jovial but there's real steel in him as well yes. you know, he's got this almost perfect combination of steel and drive but good humour he's not like, like the mafia Oh, you see, I was going to go no, there. No, I was no, going to no, say no, just like the proprietor of a restaurant who's very, very jovial front yes. of the house. Oh, welcome. Oh, you look so beautiful this yes. evening. And your wife or partner giggles coquettishly at his charming Italian ways. Oh, senor, have you lost a weight? Oh, you're looking so good. <laughs> yes, hardly working or working hard. Okay, okay, you have a seat. I bring you uh, some bread. It'll be okay. Into the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> And he's yeah. immediately shouting yeah. at all the staff in a horrible way. Uh, that's exactly what I And I think that's how uh, Arriva Buses might be. He's, uh, <laughs> you know, he's genial enough to be good when he's interviewed, but he kicks ass back at the factory. And those asses probably need kicking. He's come into the team at a time when a lot of the work that they are benefiting from now had been done. You know, that said, he's just the right man to push them on from that position and to really help them to reap the benefits. It's a reboot. Yeah. We're seeing, you know... Arriva Boot. Uh, you know, hey. you know, Ferrari, the new generation. Uh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm fantastic. sort of mesmerised by his hair. Very exciting. It's fantastic. fantastic. He's got good hair. Richard Gere's hair. He's got, the, hair right. the, He's got the tattoos going on as well. Yeah. Yeah. The There's a backstory there, isn't it? Which I haven't bothered to look up. But we what, love it. what a life he's had. Yeah. I mean, he was running that restaurant for a start, and then, <laughs> then, uh, and then, and then he's got the hair. And I do think it's like politicians. You know, they always say a bald man's never been prime minister. Apart from Churchill, is maybe. That, uh, but in the modern television age, certainly, yes, in the modern the, media age, there's never been a ball man. Yeah, they've always yeah, said, okay, you know, yeah. so it's why someone like Neil Kinnocker or John Smith uh, were not 
considered electable ultimately because they were basically slapheads. Uh, Ian Duncan Smith Ian Duncan was Smith, the same, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah. other bloke, William Haig. Yeah. yeah, William Haig. Slap me up. I'm Haig. I like to pretend I really am from Yorkshire. Yeah. <laughs> William Haig. And they were all slapheads and none of them were Prime Minister. Oh. Whereas you look at Michael. John Major, Tony Blair, mm-hmm. full yeah. heads of hair. Okay. So yeah. how come yeah. Michael Portillo? didn't make it to be a, a it's amazing you know because on hair alone he would be <laughs> highly electable yeah. I, I, maybe it was because of people found his personality repellent I don't know yeah. oh that's probably it. Cool. too much of the small about him it's just simply mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah the only Michael Portillo impression I can do is to actually say his name in his voice I can't take it beyond that Michael Portillo it's a funny thing since he stopped being a politician he sort of seems to become quite likeable because I've seen him on the TV and he, yeah. he doesn't make your skin crawl anymore but he actually does quite a good job of presenting those railway yeah programs. yeah yeah because yeah, yeah, he seems to be quite interested in it all yes. I'm not interested in cars he knows his subject so I don't like cars I like trains I'm does he not like cars I wonder if he does like if cars if you like trains you won't like cars I don't think the two go hand do you know who does like cars he would say take a train over a car uh, ok I would prefer to go well but what if he needs to go to somewhere that was badly served by stations because of Dr. Beeching's swinging cuts He may yes. have to get a minicab, but he just wouldn't be interested Yeah, in but it. he wouldn't care what it was. He'd he look just, wistfully be, back at the station fun. thinking, yeah. I wish the train went there. Yeah. But you know what? Someone who does like cars and also has quite good hair, in fact, who looks like a sort of uh, a uh, Hitler. Hitler? Did you just say Hitler like no, no, I said, I said yeah, great hair. I thought you said Hitler. I can see why you might have said Hitler. we were talking about right wing people, but <laughs> yeah. you've gone really fast to write that. No, no. Professor Robert Winston. Robert Winston? Oh. The doctor, well, man. Geneticist. Because my executive producer, my former executive producer from Top Gear, once bumped into him in the BBC car park, and this was years ago, and he was getting into a Jag XJ and um, I produced oh nice Jag and they started talking and it became clear that he was trying to cars and he said would you want to come on Top Gear and he went no 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 I'm I'm very busy I'm very busy and also he's a very clever man he probably didn't want to go on and something as tawdry as that (laughs) but then so my my executive producer said well it's very nice to meet you thank you and he walked off as he was walking off Robert Winston shouted after him and went uh, I've got an Austin 7 trials car as well or something like that and he got oh, something God. really nerdy and obscure but then Andy my exec was forced to sort of turn around and go back and re-engage in this car conversation he's super into cars and he's got good hair so yeah. something to think on we've gone a little Another bit off topic that's but. fine listen let's just gather it up and we'll be back after this Senora Diva Bene, welcome back. You have come for another tattoo? Si, si. And this will be the usual? No, no, I haven't done any more of that. I want something new. Okay, so uh, what did you have in mind? I want some special ancient symbol on my arm. Sure, sure, ancient symbols, we can do this. What do you want these symbols to say? I think they should say... Nice hair. Step Petrol! We got a Jones on speed! As much as we talk about the blokes in Formula One, like Arriva Bene, uh, what a bloke he is, he's a sort of mega bloke, there are plenty of women in Formula One, but not necessarily driving cars. Now, there's an awful lot of talk about a change of culture in F1, where F1 should catch up with, what, the rest of the universe 20 years ago? But it's not happening yet. The WEC ditched their grid girls. Cool. 
They line their cars up diagonally for a Le Mans start. Cool. There were no grid girls. Formula One is hanging on to that, isn't it? Is it doing damage to the brand? I don't think it is, to be honest, but it does look a little bit outdated. Much as I love looking at scantily clad women, it is pretty sexist to have an entire grid of scantily clad women holding the flags rather than you know I don't know how you have, a, I, I don't know how you have a how you have a like a you know a gender equal group. male robots model, male models and well uh, I suppose you could do but I don't I, the whole thing is just well, it's I mean, just first of all drones is it actually necessary for somebody to stand there with a number or is it not, really no. just actually Pastor Maldonado could have done with something showing him where to park oh, yeah. his car on the grid in Bahrain oh yeah how bad does it look it looks a little bit sort of out of date but it's not grossly offensive it's just that it cements the idea that formula one is this rather archaic boys club of idiocy and Um, also that it's a sport for men rather than yeah and that's the uh, thing do you know because i do that drivel about f1 when there's a race on on twitter and if i'm just on twitter normally and i'm talking about i don't know a Vauxhall or some old rover that I've seen and everyone who replies to that will pretty much be a bloke but when I'm talking about Formula One I'd say the split of feedback is not quite 50-50 but Mm -hmm. it's damn close sometimes Mm -hmm. and depends what you're talking about as well but if it's just commentating during a race the people who are chipping in and replying and stuff like that. F1 is very popular with men and women. I, I think, think it's a yeah. mindset. And Irrespective of your gender, you can watch F1 and get something from it because it's a sport that satisfies the sort of things that you're interested in, you know, and so that tactical thinking thing. Well, I don't know what if you're interested in three-field rotational crop system. Ooh. Really? Do they do that in, yeah. in Formula One? Maybe not. No. Sorry, but yes, yeah, I, I yeah. do know what you mean. But the thing is, it just seems that it's not necessary, and it would be a very, very powerful statement, I suppose, for Formula One to drop it. Yeah. Just to say, look how not stuck in the 1970s we are. Because apart from anything else, just because Formula One is sort of populated by, and particularly because it's led by a 109-year-old man, there's just a sort of feeling that its attitudes are slightly out of date. And a mm. 109-year-old man who says things like, social media is unnecessary, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. a girl in a really short skirt holding a lollipop with a number on it is necessary, it just reinforces that view that the sport that we love yeah, to the enough. outside world looks slightly crap and mm-hmm. crass and that it's unable to move with the times mm. because let's be honest although they can attempt to introduce hybrid power units and things like that the fact is they're flying 747s full of stuff around the world and mm-hmm. then driving around in circles if they really cared that much about saving fuel they wouldn't do any of those things I'd prefer them to bring V8s back but actually look at how they can make the sport just seem more relevant to the world uh, in general well, okay, the amount of mm. fuel they're using while driving around in circles is relatively little but in the general scheme of things it's not that bad it seems like a token gesture well this is a very complicated issue I think because whilst you're absolutely on the money there when you say that the fuel burnt during a race is a trivial amount compared to the amount of fuel that is burnt people driving shifting the the teams to Mm. and from the Mm. races but Mm. yes exactly Mm. also taking people to and from the races and this applies to any major sporting event you know whether it's a Grand Prix or you know some big cup final or a big rugby event the amount of fuel that is going to be burnt in planes in cars getting people to and from the events is the big part of the carbon footprint of that event 
And in an F1 race, the amount of fuel that is actually burnt by the cars in the race is a tiny part of the overall carbon footprint of that event. But the engine technology in those vehicles has to be relevant. If you're going to attract major manufacturers and the sport, I think, needs to have major manufacturers involved, you can't expect to have Mercedes and Honda and Renault involved in the sport if they are going to be running outdated engine tech that doesn't relate to what they want to put in their road vehicles and doesn't push I think think. yes and no because if you look at racing in the US NASCAR for example is a good example of that you know and Toyota wanted in on that but Toyota wanted in on NASCAR even though the fact that they don't allow hybrids and it's all extremely crude and yet hybrid technology is very big in every single country that Toyota sells cars certainly in the western world they do in fact a much bigger range of hybrids in the US than they do here because you can get pretty much every car they sell as a hybrid that's vital to them because they do want to make some difference in their road cars and make them more efficient and certainly less gas guzzling but they'll happily pitch into NASCAR with a pushrod V8 in a old ladder frame chassis essentially thundering around the place just because it's good marketing because if they can kick the arse of two of their major rivals in the marketplace that's all just about how you spin the marketing really and let's be honest it is all marketing it's not there's no sincere belief that they will get usable technology out of F1 into their road cars these things happen in parallel the crossover I believe is actually very minimal there is a degree of crossover I think what you're talking about the same way the the space programme sometimes crosses over into real life and that's why we have non-stick pans but it's not absolutely necessary for one to relate to the other okay mm. the space well, okay the space, space program oh, it wasn't I've opened just a Teflon can of worm I keep this brief because yeah. it wasn't just the direct spin-offs of the space program yeah, but it accelerated exactly. America's education system their knowledge of uh, solid the state electronics to a point where we now have but also let's not forget that putting a man on the moon was also a marketing exercise absolutely yeah to the Russians it was a proxy nuclear war yeah was, yeah, uh, yeah. World War Three. Anyway, yeah, was, so that's good marketing. If you can stave off the World War, well, that's what, one hell of an ad campaign. What was Og was saying yes. then about making Formula One more relevant to the people who watch it, eliminating the girls, the teams, well, you know, the manufacturers need cars with recognisable technology that they can sell on Monday, win on Sunday, that old adage. And how about appealing even better to women and supporting women to get into Formula One? I'm not talking about what Bernie's talking about here, and that's a dedicated female F1 sub-series. I'm talking about because there are fewer women driving carts than there are lads, there's a smaller sample to choose from. And that is the only reason there are more women in F1 at the moment. If we really targeted young women, now girls who are learning to cast, in 10 years we could have race drivers who are not male. And Jensen Button, bless him, said a marvellous thing the other day when asked about his view on whether there should be a female sub-series F1. He said, well, you know, it's not a physical sport. I'm pretty fit, but I can't run a marathon as quick as Paula Radcliffe. And the point that he was making, if you can find women who are fitter than him, then they're going to be able to 
drive a car. It's just a matter of experience. He doesn't see why there should be a separate series. And he's right. Yeah. Having women in F1, that would address 50% of the population of the planet, wouldn't it? Okay, but do you need women drivers for women to be interested in F1? Not necessarily. No, true. But I think it's absolutely true. If there was a larger pool of women drivers in the lower four million coming out of karting, then yes, more of them would make it through to F1. Mm. Because I don't think the sport discriminate. I don't think that it is now the kind of environment where a woman driver with a necessary talent would find the deck stacked against her. I think, if anything, they would find that they were a more commercially mm-hmm. attractive proposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, so it just needs yeah more women to be coming out of the world of karting and the junior formula. There's another area where I'd like to see more women drivers. And it's based on the experience I had this evening. Mini cabs. Yeah. I got a cab from my local cab yeah, firm, and it's yeah. a couple of unusual things. First of all, it was a Volvo S80 turned up. Oh, very nice. Uh, leathery, very leathery, plum-coloured leather. Oh, cheeky, quite nice. Mm. And a manual cheeky. gearbox, unusual in yeah. a big car like that. Driven by a Eastern European lady, and she was one of the best mini cab drivers I've had in a long time. Because there's always that slight fear of death in the worst of <laughs> minicabs where they drive incredibly aggressively and late break but not in a kind of cool racing drive way just in a kind of they didn't see anything coming sort of way and there was none of that she was incredibly smooth incredibly relaxed courteous driver I felt then at ease that I wasn't about to die in this lovely comfortable Volvo as well and I also thought because statistically the average woman is small than the average man means the the front seat can be a little bit further forward more rear legroom for passengers yeah. and you yeah, denied that yeah, kind of yeah. aggressive testosterone fueled yeah, idiocy yeah. of which we're all guilty as men yes. and you get a much safer more relaxing chauffeur driven experience I thought that's it why aren't more women drivers was she driving as though there was a bowl on the bonnet it was a bit Jackie Stewart yes it was her name Jackie it was not I don't think so I didn't ask but I thought Alan Prost because she was Madame Professeur she was just quite smooth on all the controls lovely soft hands on the wheel it was good this is an area for further thought I'd like that yeah there we go our campaign for women drivers in a professional role starts with minicabs Hello, uh, could I get a taxi, please? Yes, mate, no problem. I'm going to drive it to you in ten minutes. Is that Richard? Uh, yeah, it is, yeah. Um, oh, actually, which of the girls are you going to send? The girls are all on other jobs at the moment, Richard. I'm sending a new driver this evening. His name's Pastor. Um, you know what? I'll walk. Two words to wrap up talking about female drivers before we move on to the next thing. Two words. Michelle Mouton. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's it. Right. So with women not coming immediately into Formula One, there is still a lot of talk about how Formula One is going to change over the next three years. I believe in 2017, there's like a reset button, isn't there? They have to do a reset. Every couple of years. Yeah. yeah. And they're talking about reinventing it. There had been talk of a V8 engine. There has been talk of a thousand brake horsepower. And in order to achieve that, we retain the V6s and we open the fuel limit. There's been talk of random grids. Random random grids grids doing away with qualifying altogether. Wasn't there just one of Bernie's going to throw it out there ideas? Exactly. With sprinklers in the uh, wider cars, cars that look like ninety two. Basically, anything that Max put in place, narrower cars to allow 
overtaking that was what Max brought in one of his things you know yeah. limiting the amount of grip and maximum corner speed so people weren't dying in the sport I am sound like I'm defending Max here well you know, he, he's, he did some good things yeah um, a lot of good things to do with safety yes it's true credit where it's due he really whipped that into shape didn't he it was oh. <laughs> why why are you laughing <laughs> Go on. Oh, yes. I Go on. Keep talking quickly. Um, these are all potentially on the horizon for Formula One, including the most bizarre of them all, in my opinion. And that's junior Formula One. Have you heard about this? If the grid drops below the 20 cars, mm. if it goes down to 18, the teams are obliged to run a third car. They can only put a junior driver in it someone who's not driven in Formula 1 before so it's their debut season for every one of these drivers and that third car runs in a separate championship to Formula 1 but on the same circuit at the same time in the way that the WEC is or Le Mans there's three races going mm. four races going on mm. five if you have subclasses so when you had the podium you'd have the overall winner second and third place and the junior winner as well shaking up a bottle okay, of pop <laughs> a big, a big bottle of coke or I mean, Fanta or something yeah. but surely the problem is if you've only got a handful of drivers in this junior category and there will only be a handful if they're the third drivers for three or four teams to make up the numbers does anyone really care who wins out of that little junior group and what you're going to have a podium ceremony for three of the four of them or mm. how's that I don't know it just seems like a rather it's, unnecessary yeah because which teams are, not all the teams are obliged to run a third car are they surely the lower teams can't afford to no. oh, is that Marussia could you get a third car already what well, we barely got two the I mean, Ferrari Mercedes McLaren the you know, they're the ones yeah. who I understood would be expected to run Williams you know, the, too, yeah, probably, yeah. The, 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 um, the reason oh, McLaren, could we have another one of your extremely useless engines please the reasoning for running the third car in a separate junior championship is that the lesser teams the non-grandee teams who wouldn't be running three cars if all the cars are running in the same championship as them they would be bumped down the order because they had less of a chance of scoring points and so part of the agreement to allow some teams to run but not all because you can't afford it is that they run in a separate championship so it doesn't prejudice the performance of the lower teams I get that that's that's sensible thinking but it begs the question you know what's GP2 for what then happens to GP2 yeah does that move that down a class yeah although the impact on a whole other series of what's happening in a kind of an addendum to F1 I'm not sure that, that would be too much of an issue for them yeah. it, it, it's not, we don't care we are F1 yeah. we put a horse in your head uh. one of the criticisms that sometimes level F1 is that it can be a bit confusing and it's not as simple as it could be for yeah. somebody that doesn't really follow the sport to understand yeah. you know why this is happening at this point you know what is this DRS thing why do they have to change to this tyre at this yeah, point yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't make it any easier to follow if you've got a junior form with it if you've got a second category within the race I, yeah I, you've got an incredibly dominant car like the Mercedes was last season and even some snot faced acne ridden squirt might be able to do quite well in it compared to some of the other teams on the grid. What if they won what, you the know, race? What, yeah, well, exactly. I was going to say, what if they came third? And then you've got to explain something. So why is that bloke who came third, or that girl who came third mm-hmm. in this new feature we're envisaging, why are they not on the podium then? Mm. Oh, yeah. because they're in a different championship, because they're 17 or 18 or I, and I totally see the problem for the teams at the back of the grid or the teams that you know aren't supposed to run a third driver because everyone accepts they don't have the money and the resources to do it mm. I totally understand that you don't want to have their season and their point scoring potential hit by bringing in third drivers for the better teams how do they reconfigure but, the pit lane? 
Because you'd need three garages for those teams, wouldn't you? Mm, yeah, you would. Well, they used well, to have room part. for a spare car previously. Oh, they could get yeah. three abreast, so that would work. The only thing that would save Formula One, in my opinion, is a bit of what Gordon Brown called quantitative easing. You know, they need to move some of the money around the grid. It's too expensive for the lesser teams. It's too expensive for the bigger teams. They need to do what Americans do with the NFL or the basketball in the States, and they share the money that they get from television more evenly to be picky this is Mm. redistributive taxation rather than quantitative yes I'm technical I'm joking about that I don't really know anything about the NFL but it's always struck me as not in any way corrupt Why are you laughing again? What's wrong with you today? Um, yeah, I'm sure it's completely legit, and that would be fine in F1 as well. Yeah. The money would always Couldn't go exactly where it was supposed to go. They just have to make yeah. it a bit cheaper. If they could just find a way that everybody could agree on, I guess that's part of the problem, to bring the cost down, then it wouldn't be so insanely expensive for the... Do you know but what? How, 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 how did you do down for the last I don't know. I don't you know. Oh, God, I was hoping you did know, because <laughs> I don't know either. No, I wish I there was a way that we could go, we've got it. And you know what managed to keep the cost down for Formula One, you know, eight years ago when it was in crisis then? The engine freeze. Max! Again. Again? Mm. Well, why didn't you just marry him if he says I did so brilliant? I find him a little worried. Do you? <laughs> but that's why he had some good policies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on speed, failing to redefine the future of Formula One, as did. Yeah, I was hoping, looking to the example of Max, we could have really spanked this one. But <laughs> why are you laughing again? That was pull yourself together. Goodbye. That was Zog. Goodbye. I was Gareth. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>